there and welcome to this week's Frankly Golf podcast. I'm Valerie Melvin here with Frank Thomas and this is podcast number 28. And this week, Frank, we're going to focus on short game clubs. That's a good idea. Absolutely. So Very important part of the game. Well, it is. And in combination with putting, what do you reckon? Short game and putting, what percentage of your score do you think? Well, every, every time you miss a green, you're going to have to use one of your one of your shorter clubs, so uh, it'll get you onto the green. Um, if you, if you, uh, and if you get in a bunker or anything else like that. So it's a utility club. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I think, you know, we all know what club to use on the green. Of course, a frankly frog putter. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, but, you know, the question is, around the green, how do you get on most effectively and closest to the hole? Well, I, I think you've got to um, find a club that you you really familiar with. You can you get a lot of confidence in, and uh, a lot of people use about a seven iron, or if they can, get a chipper. That was how a chipper actually evolved, because people were using a seven iron, uh, and it was about the right length, and and the the loft is to just make sure you don't um, you don't dig into the ground office, you don't blade it, and and you just it's it's a chipper. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I think I think that's right, Frank. Finding a club that you trust and that you can work with effectively is so important and build confidence in. Because I think what happens sometimes is uh, we go out and we're, you know, we maybe look at a shot and we say, oh, should that be my pitching wedge? Should it be my sand wedge? So you're in some doubt as to what actual club to select. So I think the first step for, for most people is to sort of develop a shot that you know that you can hit all the time and that you understand the distance that you're going to hit it. Because I think this is so important because I don't think we spend enough time actually calibrating, you know, the type of swing we make with the distance that the ball's going to go combined with how far it's going to run out. And I think that's why, as an example, as much as people would describe it probably as old school, a seven iron is a really easy and effective way, and it's not a complex stroke to no. use a club like that. No, and, and it's more more like, uh, I mean, you get more feel from it. I mean, you don't have to try and calibrate it. You just look at the hole, and you're very comfortable with your 7-iron, and you chip it about halfway to the hole, and it'll run out the rest of it in most cases. And But you just feel that, mm-hmm. and and that's the club you, can, you should uh, probably, as you get more skilled, Obviously, you can go down to a, a, a gap wedge if you will feel that way, but you have to be more skilled to be able to play that one with a lot of confidence. And I, I think what I've found useful, um, you know, over the years is developing almost like a little cheat sheet for myself. So I understand how far with a particular type of uh, swing, how far I will carry each shot with my different chipping clubs and I think obviously you maybe don't want to go to that extent but I really think it's important to on on the driving range or if you've got a nice little pitching area at, at your golf club um, or at your facility where you can go out and just experiment and actually see how far the ball actually travels. With a, with a certain length backswing. With a certain length backswing and different law, you know, try your different clubs, you know, try a pitching wedge, try a gap wedge, try your seven iron and just see the differences both in loft um, and the way the ball lands. Right. I think I think in, in each case, even when you're using your seven iron, uh, 
your rhythm must be the same. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and and when you're taking the calibration test that you're or exercise that you're doing, uh, you need to make sure that you still maintain your rhythm. And and as you take the club a little further back, when you maintain your rhythm, yeah, as you get yeah, further back, you'll get a faster club head speed. Uh, and and um, you know that's that's so important for every shot in your bag. Rhythm is so important. I know it's really an underestimated part of the game. I think you know we talk about it a lot in relation to putting, but it a lot of those principles certainly transfer to chipping. Right. Of course, there are circumstances where we can use or need to use something other than our favourite go-to shot. Um, you yeah. know, if you're behind a bunker, you know, that's maybe a bit raised or you've got, you know, an elevated shot onto a green. And that's where we need to be a bit more creative. Or oh, a little short pond right in front of you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you do have to be creative and, and you have to make sure that, um, first of all, you know, if you get in a bunker, you, you, you can get in the bunker, you've got to get out the bunker. And, and um, depending on how far the shot is, uh, you can either just get out to play out and, and play on from there. If the shot's uh, 70 yards or 80 yards away, maybe you'd want to take out a pitching wedge as long as the ball is sitting up on the sand. Uh-huh. So you don't have to use a, a sandwich in every bunker, but most of the time you should. And and you, and the sandwich is designed for that purpose. Uh-huh. It's got a bounce on it on the bottom of the club, well, underneath the club, on the sole of the club, we've got this little bounce. Not a little bounce, in magic. a 14-degree bounce could be. So when you're in a sand bunk, and that would be a 56-degree club, mm-hmm. uh, uh, what the idea is, is as you start into the sand, the bounce takes over and it, and, it, and it stops the club from digging directly into the sand. Interesting. And, you know, I, also, I often think, particularly for women's golf, uh, Getting out of bunkers and um, being in bunkers is one of the toughest things, um, partly because it's about generating the club head speed to move the sand, to move the ball, um, but also because those sand wedges, I mean, they are heavy, aren't they? They're designed that way. Uh-huh. They're designed that way. It's a, a club which is which has got uh, you know two two and a bit pounds weight. Wow, that is uh, heavy on, on the head. So so you're talking about a fairly fairly heavy club. And as a result, to make it feel like the rest of your clubs, they shorten up on it. That's the balancing system. Uh-huh. I think for all golfers, to a, a good way that I've practiced in the past is to literally draw a line in the sand <laughs> and, you know, go along that line and just try and make contact on the line. This is when you're practicing, of course. You're not doing this out on the course when you're playing it. Right. Um, but just to try and control the head and control the entry point of the the head um, into the sand. So I think that's kind of a, a, an interesting little tip for you when you're practicing, if you want to work on your, your bunker play. Right, and I think, as you mentioned, uh, beginner golfers need a lot of bounce if you can get it because, and they must make a, a, a shot. Don't, don't try and loft the ball out of the, out of the bunker. Hit down onto the ball and just have confidence in doing it. But unfortunately, a lot of them will hit too far behind and so you had need a lot of bounce, but you do not need bounce, and don't use your your sand wedge on a firm uh, piece of turf away from the bunker because the bounce will then take over, and you're going to be blading it. It's it's tough. It's, it all comes down to the club selection, and that's why it's so important to get out and sort of um, work with your wedges and be creative. 
And I mean, speaking about, you know, creative shots and spectacular shots, I mean, if you look at Phil Mickelson, who really popularised the the lob wedge, I mean, some of the shots he's hit over the years have been spectacular. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he he was really known for his his lob wedge shot, and he was one who probably made it more popular than than, uh, anything else. He... um, He's got that skill and he can almost hit it backwards or go straight up in the air. <laughs> but um, don't try that. Uh, don't try that at no, home. <laughs> no, no. Uh, the reason is because, um, you know, you think the lob wedge is a big snow shovel. That's what it looks like when you're looking down at it. But from the ball's point of view, you see there's a very thin club coming at you. And, and if you go underneath it, you go right underneath it and, it, and the ball doesn't go anywhere. Or if you get a little bit high, you're going to blade it. Yeah. So you've got to practice with that club. That club. And, and the, and the, the um, lob wedge is about 60 degrees. Uh, they have super lob wedges at 64 degrees, but um, they don't have any bounce. They have, you know, maybe four degrees, two to four degree uh, bounce on them. So that's a good club. But the, the, uh, but the reason why we've got so many wedges is because we used to have just, you know, up to nine iron, and then a sandwich, and a pitching wedge, and a sandwich. Uh, uh, the pitching wedge was about 50 degrees, and, and then it moved because all the clubs, the manufacturers were trying to prove that their club was hitting the ball farther than anybody else's club, so they cheated. They, and there was an unwritten standard of which club had what loft. Mm-hmm. And they changed the lofts up to four to five degrees, strengthened them, so you see, my five iron going much further than than your five, farther than your five iron, and therefore it must be a better club. Mm-hmm, I mean, in mm-hmm. fact, there's no difference. If you hit it on the sweet spot, it wouldn't make any difference. And it's just the loft. It's that just was just stronger. a basic loft. So then, what happened was all of the clubs went up about four to five degrees, and therefore the the fifty degree pitching wedge became a forty six degree pitching wedge. Huh. And the but the sand iron remained at fifty six. So as a result, you've got this big gap between, you know, 46 and 50, or you know, 56. So now you had to fill the gap with a gap, <laughs> fill the gap with a gap wedge. Aptly and, named. And, and uh, that's where they about 52 degree uh, gap wedge, about four degrees or thereabouts, uh, four or five degrees between uh, clubs at that, at that level. But it's, it is interesting. Now, I had a question for you, Frank. Um, we were we were looking through one of your old uh, sets of clubs um, and came across an R90 wedge, which I know was very popular, but it had punch marks, which actually is a beautiful looking club um, with all these little punch marks in it. I want to take it out next time we go and play just to try it. Um, oh. But, you know, what is the difference between punch marks versus grooves? Well, punch marks were the only way they'd go up and up the surface of, of the club. And they literally punched the, uh, with a punch and hit it with a hammer and it, uh, it caused a little bit of a, of a metal that came out and was very rough. But, but also, you know, just the fact that it was a, a punch mark in a plain surface made it coefficient of friction a little bit higher. But, uh, you know, soon after that, they recognized that, uh, that grooves were more effective than punch marks. However, within the rule book, you still got specifications for punch marks. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that there's any club intentionally manufactured today, even the wedges, with punch marks anymore. So really, that's an obsolete uh, rule. 
and it's useless. We need to get get rid of it. Uh huh. Uh huh. And I mean, I know that you went and uh, tested grooves with uh, some of the players. You know, back in the time when you were testing all the grooves, um, and with Greg Norman, I think at the time, I mean, Greg Norman was so well known for like the way we'd spin the ball. And um, did you have fun doing that? Like, you know, just seeing him hit balls and seeing how the ball spun. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, and and uh, he was one of the first to use a, a solid ball in 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 competition. Was that the tour edition? It was the tour edition. Uh, oh, I used to love tour edition. <laughs> right, and and um, he he used that, and it had a soft cover. It was a two piece ball with a very soft cover. Everybody else was using. I mean, the two piece ball was the top flight or the pinnacle, etc., and they had a certain cover. And uh, this ball, uh, the Tour Edition, had um, uh, a softer cover, and he used to spin the heck out of that. He did. Uh, I mean, he, was a, he was a great player with his, with his wedges anyway. Very good, very good. Well, you know, what about the other thing I was going to ask you about was... I mean, there's quite often, especially on Lynx courses, sometimes it's more effective to maybe use a putter if you've got... Nothing in front of you, obviously. I don't oh. recommend putting through bunkers. I think Gary Player always tells so whenever he played in pro-ams, you know, he told his uh, amateur partner he's just slightly off the green or uh, uh, and certainly in Lynx conditions, fairly well off the green. And, and he said, you know, putt it. You'll be very much closer to the hole if you putt it because they have, most amateurs haven't perfected that 7-9 that shot or the chipper. That's why we recommend going and practising with a seven iron to become very familiar with it and you just you know chip to halfway up to the hole whatever it is and you get a better feel for it no but but uh, uh, the putter is is used fairly frequently off the green in in um, uh, links courses and where you've got firm and and um, the, the the grass is cut nice and short all the way to the hole mm-hmm. and it's a very very popular uh, uh, stroke uh-huh, in, uh-huh. in the UK. So when you use the putter from off the green Frank is that what they call a Texas wedge? Well yeah it's it's uh, used off the green but most commonly it would be uh, out of the bunker because you don't have a lift on, lift on the bunker use your out of the out of the uh, bunker but wow. it, 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 a putter it, it, out the bunker? Oh yes. I haven't tried that. Right. Well, I'll have to give it a go. When we go out with that R90, I'll um, get my frankly frog and give it give it a go out of a bunker and see how we get on, if right. I have the appropriate conditions, of course. Absolutely. Well, we hope you enjoyed that this week. We will be back in touch next week, but until then... May the frog be with you. <laughs>